discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. In Jesus' name, the Son of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now kindly turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. I want you to tell your neighbor, let Christ be your focus. Another person, let Christ be your focus. Hallelujah. Now let me read. It says, but refuse profane and old wives fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This was Paul talking to Timothy. And Paul told Timothy, I know some of you have read this verse before, that Timothy refused profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself rather unto godliness. What was he talking about? Now when you see the word old wives fables, you will wonder what is he really, really talking about? What is he talking about? Because in our day, we don't really understand what old wives' fables are. But what are they? What are old wives' fables? Old wives actually describes grandmothers. <laughs> grandmothers. Grandmothers. And fables talks about stories. Stories. But actually, they are what is called Myth, myth and uh, myth and tales and legendaries, genealogies, myth, tales, legendary and genealogies, stories. Now, in those days, in the New Testament era, there was something that was so rampant. There was something that was so rampant. It was called old wives' fables or stories that were told by grandmothers. How many of you, when you were a child, had your grandmother telling you stories? I remember my grandmother, the story she told me, nobody has told me those stories again. Quick <laughs> Nancy, she will illustrate for two hours, she's telling me. I don't know where she got all those stories from. <laughs> Grandmothers, like, they like telling stories. It was happening in the days of Paul. But there was a kind of stories they told that were actually lies. They were not correct. They were not true stories. <laughs> so, and they were very popular in those days. Grandmothers, the stories told by grandmothers. And these stories were called tales or fables. Stories they have humanly, someone sit down and carefully and concoct and plan everything together. <laughs> so they are not correct stories. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, when I read um, 2 Peter 1 16, note what Peter said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. So fables that have been cunningly devised. Someone sit down and plan our stories. Now, it was so much in, in, in the days of Timothy and Paul 
Remember, Timothy was a, was a pastor in the Ephesus church. You know, it was a Gentile church. They were not Jews. It was a Gentile church. And um, if you've read the book of Acts, there was a, a certain goddess called Diana. Now, Ephesus, when in that city, there were a lot of tales that were told, a lot of stories, grandmother stories. I'm just not to ask this question. If everything the Bible is claiming that he has a heart, it's been given, and it came by grace and favor, have you seen? There is no, is there sea in water in this place? There is sea, right? Sorry, I thought I was preaching in Kumasi. Sorry. <laughs> now, if you stand at the seashore, you see how the waves come. You see the waves coming. That's how we have received this fullness, grace upon grace. It comes like wave upon wave without any intermission. That's how we have received the abundance of Christ. But though we have received it, you may never see it in your, your whole life. Why? 2 Peter 1 verse 2. Look at what it says. Grace and peace be multiplied. You know, grace is favor. So you can say favor and peace be multiplied. Hmm. You know peace, the word here is shalom. Shalom is everything. Shalom is health, wealth, deliverance, preservation, everything. So God's favor on you can be multiplied. God's peace on you, peace of mind, peace in your body, peace in your home can be multiplied. Through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the key. He says that the favor, the fullness comes upon us in grace. And he's saying that, you see, the favor, now we, we, there's favor on us, but the favor on you can be multiplied. You know, when favor on you is multiplied, when you're walking in the street and you go elsewhere, people look at you and they give you preferential treatment. When, when, when you are fourth, they want to make you first. They, they go like, there is something about you. You, you, you are given the preferential You seem not to qualify, but a certain woman was telling me she had a dream and she was in a queue and she was the last person. A woman of God told me, an elderly woman, and she says that she was the last person. And she was sad that she was the last person. Then the, the instructor came and said, about 10. <laughs> so when you are last and they say about 10, now the last becomes the first. <laughs> I know you are last, but after this meeting you are becoming the first. That's preferential treatment. Favor on you can be multiplied. But how is it multiplied? Through the knowledge of, through the knowledge. <laughs> now, let me read it in a real Greek for you. When I say Greek, the original Bible translation, before it was brought into English, it doesn't say through the knowledge of God. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. <laughs> Uh, grace and peace. Now, that means that the more you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your God, now Jesus is your God, the more you know him as your Lord and as your God, the more you know about him and you know him, the more the favor comes. The more the favor comes. So it says grace, uh, grace of favor, divine favor and divine peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So listen, the more you know him, the more this favor increases. And how many of you want favor increase in your life? 
And how many want to know him? Hallelujah. All right. Now I want to use something that is symbolic in, in the Old Testament to describe what I'm talking about. Now it was called the Ark of the Covenant. See the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Now, how many of you have seen the Ark of the Covenant before? Not physical, the picture. It rings a bell, right? Hallelujah. The Ark of the Covenant. Can we have the picture here? Okay. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is a symbol of who Jesus is. It describes who Jesus is. So, we want to learn something briefly about the Ark of the Covenant so you know who Jesus is. Now, the Old Testament presents what is called pictures, shadows and types. But the New Testament represents the person, that is Jesus. He's a substance. Now, the Old Testament presents what is something like photo album. Now, you know photo album. This this doesn't happen, but a few years ago, you visit someone, the person gives you the album. I think it's fading away. It's gone, right? It's so true. If it's, if I visit you, you get first, you first give me your album. Now, album is going. Then when I open it, I now see all your pictures from your infancy, your friends, your family. It's no more. <laughs> so we go through pictures. Album. It's so true. Where's my wedding album? As I'm preaching, I'm thinking of where my wedding album is. <laughs> now, the Old Testament gives us a photo album of the real person that was revealed in the New Testament. Photo album. But in the New Testament, we don't need an album again because a person has come. For instance, if you're a married person and you travel for, some, for a while and you miss your wife, what do you do? Sometimes you take the picture and you look at the wife's picture. Oh, I miss you. And sometimes you miss her so much that you start kissing the picture. And those of you who are not married, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, 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 and you kiss the picture. Oh, honey, how I miss you. Sometimes you even embrace it. And that's so wonderful. But how about when you come home and meet your wife and you are sitting together and your wife is sitting down there and you take the picture and you start kissing the wife. You start kissing the picture. What does it mean? The real substance person is there. You are still kissing the picture. And something is wrong. You have to kiss the real person you can enjoy. And your wife will be happy. And that's what people do. People today, instead of giving attention to Christ, they are still following symbols and tokens in the Old Testament. Now, if you are using them, it's nothing. Okay, some people like it naturally, but it shouldn't replace. It's just symbolic. In fact, you keep pictures in your, in your, in your house, but the real person is there. So you are in fellowship with the real person. So all those things, a lot of things are symbolic. 
like the prayer shawl, like so. There's nothing magical about them. <laughs> the real person is Jesus. So stop kissing the photo and kiss the real thing. How about to read Psalm 2, verse 6? Kiss the son. <laughs> Have fellowship with Jesus. Praise God. All right. Thank you. This is the Ark of the Covenant. Thank you very much. And that's what I'm talking about. Now listen. Praise God. Thank you very much. Now this is called the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of Testimony. Now, the most important item in the tabernacle of Moses was this item. God told Moses to make a tent, a huge tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, there are about seven pieces of furniture, seven pieces of items, main pieces. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, this one, is the last thing you meet. You enter through the gate, you go and go and go. The last item you meet is, is this one, which is the Ark of the Covenant. Because this is a symbol of God's throne. It's a symbol of God's presence. Back, you see, beginning in, in Genesis 25, it's so amazing that when God instructed Moses to do the, the tabernacle, the first thing God told him to do is the last thing in the tabernacle. The first thing he told him to do was the last item in the tabernacle. The last item you meet is this ark. But that is the first. The reason why is the first God told Moses to do was because it is, the, it is first in importance. It is first in priority. In fact, without this ark, the whole tabernacle of Moses is useless. It's empty. It is called the ark of testimony. Hallelujah. Without this ark, everything is meaningless. And there are so many things in the, in the tabernacle. We have the brazen altar, called the altar of sacrifice. We have the labor, like a basin for washing of feet. We have the lampstands, which is a light. We have the table of his presence, where the bread was put on. So many things. But of all, we have the curtains, we have the wooden boards, so many things. The incense, the golden altar. But all are powerful. But the ark was the most important thing. You know why? Because the ark is the very thing that speaks of the person of Jesus Christ. All the rest speaks of the work of Jesus. But the ark speaks of the person of Jesus. Now the ark was put into the tabernacle. Jesus. The whole tabernacle is a symbol of the church. But the ark is a symbol of Christ. Or I can put it this way. The ark, the ark, this ark is a, speaks of the individual Christ. But the tabernacle speaks of the corporate Christ, which is the church. So the entire tabernacle is the church. But the ark speaks of Jesus Christ as a person. Without the ark, the whole what is the use of having a church without Jesus in it? Do you know it's possible? You can have a church, but Jesus is not a center of focus. Now, it happened in the Bible. Let me show you what, when it happened. It happened in the Bible. If you go home, take time and read First Kings chapter 3. Remember when Solomon became a king? Remember that he offered to God how many bullocks? 100,000. A thousand or something. Yeah, bullocks. And God visited him. Thousand bullocks. 
God visited him, and when God visited him in a dream, he asked him, whatever you want, I'll do it for you. Ask me. And you know what he asked. And God granted him wisdom. Is that not so? Now listen. Where did, now, where did Solomon go to offer the sacrifice? Where did Solomon go to offer the sacrifice? He offered the sacrifice at, at a place called Gibeon. Say Gibeon. Gibeon. Now at that time, the tabernacle of Moses was at Gibeon. Listen. Everything was in the, in the tabernacle. But only one thing was not there. The ark wasn't in the tabernacle. Hmm. The ark was in a place called Mount Zion. And in Mount Zion, David had built another tabernacle called the tabernacle of David. It was a tent. And only one thing was there. He put the ark of the covenant there. So there is a tent with the ark and nothing is there. And there is another tent where everything is there but the ark is not there. So Solomon went there to offer the sacrifice. So when he woke up from his dream, after he had gotten wisdom, when he had the wisdom, he just knew that he was in the wrong place. He knew instantly he was in the wrong place. So quickly he left Gibeon, where the tabernacle of Moses was, and went to Mount Zion, where the ark was, and worshipped before the ark. That was the first demonstration of wisdom which Moses and Solomon received. Because wisdom will lead you to Christ. But you see, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Romans 15, verse 4. Whatever happened to them, they are for our ensamples. That's what the Bible said. So you see, you know what it means? They had a tabernacle, they had a church, they have activities, but Christ is not there. So it's possible to have a church without Christ being the center. For instance, the tabernacle of Gibeon, there was the altar of incense, which is a symbol of prayer and worship. So that means that they could have worship and praying that Christ is not, is not the center of their worship and their prayer. It's really possible. Can you imagine you're having a worship service but Christ is not the center? You're having prayer meetings but Christ is not the center. A man of God told me that their senior pastor called them, he was a pastor, but his senior pastor called and instructed him and said that when you are worshiping, don't be falling down and rolling. Don't, don't do that. Stand upright in your suit and jacket so that the people, you earn the respect of the people. Don't, don't worship like that. Can you imagine? And he told me that even he, he, his senior pastor told them, taught them how to walk. So walk in such a way that you, be, you are dignified. The people will know that men of God have entered the auditorium. So they were taught how to walk. And when they were worshipping, they were just standing this way. Can you imagine? So, they were forbidden not to fall down and to roll, otherwise they, are, they will lose their dignity. So, obviously, they are offering the altar of incense. The altar of incense is, is symbolic of worship. But Christ is not the focus, so it's possible. And there's a bent sacrifice, the bent altar, or the altar of sacrifice, where animals were sacrif being sacrificed. You can get into a ministry, there's so much sacrifice. People are giving themselves, people are risking their 
giving, sacrificing, serving the ministry, yet Christ is not the focus. I've seen a lot. He can be sacrificing the ministry, doing so many things, yet it's not for him. Why? Because the ark is not there. It happened. They were offering sacrifices, but the ark was not there. So they can give the body to be bent. Yet without love, it profited you nothing. <laughs> yeah. You can even have the labor where the word is offered. The labor is the basic that symbolizes the, the word is preached all right, but Christ is not the focus. Praise the Lord. Yeah. But we'd rather have the ark than not to have <laughs> all of these things. So that's wisdom. The instant, can you imagine? Solomon never knew. But when he had wisdom, instantly he went to find, seek for the ark. What is wisdom? Wisdom will cause you to seek for Jesus. What's the use of having so many activities and Christ is not the focus of all that we are doing? And you know, it's, it's happened. Look at the days of Saul. You remember Saul? The first king in Israel? Now Saul reigned for 40 good years. Do you know that when he was reigning in, in Jerusalem, the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there? The Ark of the Covenant was in a place called Kiljath Jerim. It was a forest, the city of the forest. So he was in a city reigning and the Ark was in the forest. <laughs> so he, how can you reign and rule? You put Christ somewhere. You put Christ in the bush. <laughs> you put Christ in the bush and you are in the city enjoying yourself. So because of that, he got frustrated. Now Saul got frustrated. During his reign, the people left the city and followed after David in, in, the, in, the, in the caves. David was in the wilderness, they ran after him. The Bible says everyone that was in death, everyone that was distressed, and everyone that was discontented. That means the whole city, people were in death, they were owing. People were not happy. People were distressed. Why? The presence of God wasn't there. They were frustrated here and there. And they left the city and they went. They went into the wilderness to be with David. Because when the ark, so it means 40 years, there was no atonement. So every year, the high priest goes into the holies of holies to do atonement. And when he's accepted, there's a blessing upon the harvest, there's a blessing upon families. So the yearly blessing where their sins are covered was not there again. Uh -huh. So the people got frustrated in town. They got frustrated in town. But when David was a kid, he had heard of the fame of the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> so he said, Lo, we heard of it in Ephrata. We found it in the fields of the wood. Ephrata is Bethlehem. When he was young, he had heard of the fame of the Ark of the Covenant. So he purposed in his heart. Do you know why David is a man of the God's own heart? He purposed in his heart that when he became a king, the first thing he would do is to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to town. So he said, I will not give sleep to my eyes, nor slumber to my eyelid, until I have found a place for the Lord. And habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Lo! <laughs> ma, 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 ma. So I will not give sleep to my eyes, nor slumber to my eyelids. I will not sleep at all. Arise, O God! Thou in the ark of thy strength, arise to your rest. So he, David, first of all, when he became a king, went for the ark. Hallelujah. There are many ministries today that are running up and down. But the focus is not for the glory of Christ. Many are doing things for their own ego, ego for their own fame, so that the people know them everywhere. So many the ambition and distorted, you know. So many. But the, the ministry, is it about us? Oh. Is it so that the whole world will know you? No, it's not. Is that, is that the ministry? 
Why God called you? Is that agreement you made with him? Is it about you or about, or about his son? Ministry is about his son. Praise God. <laughs> Another thing is that sometimes we can emphasize. You see, we can emphasize. People emphasize on the pieces of furniture and not the ark. You can emphasize on Christ's finished work and not his person. That's also, it's also wrong. So I don't know. I, I, I don't like. You can emphasize on his finished work and not his person. It's also wrong. But his person gives value to his work. So I don't like saying I don't like saying the finished work of Christ. I like saying Christ and his finished work. <laughs> because Christ, he must come first. He's the, the central focus. Because he gives value to the work. For instance, let, let me give an example. Assuming that you, you have a challenge, okay, and you close church, and a friend of yours tells you that, oh sister, everything will be alright. Your mom will be fine. And you are encouraged. But how about if you meet someone like, which a man of God you respect, you meet Pastor Chris or Yakulomi, okay? And he tells you that, oh, your mother mentioned the issue and tells you that it is done. What's the difference? You are likely to honor his word than your friend's word. Because of the person who is involved. You see, like it is said in Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17, himself took our infirmity. You know how the Bible says himself. He gives emphasis to the person. If you know his worth, then you know the value of his work. Now the one who took your sicknesses is not an angel. It's himself. It's God himself. Himself. He himself. <laughs> so the emphasis is on the person before his work. So what it means is that in the tabernacle, the ark speaks of his person, but the rest of the furniture speaks of his work. Now the rest of the pieces of the furniture speak of what he has done, but the ark speaks of what he is. And it's always in the Bible. For instance, in um, Leviticus 16 verse 12 and other places, when the high priest is going to the Holy of Holies once a year, he goes with blood. That's what we always emphasize, that he goes with blood. But no, that's not the first thing. He fills his hands with incense. Bef to God before the blood. Why? Because God must first be reminded of the fragrance, perfections of his son by the incense before he can accept the atoning work for our redemption. So is the person first before the work? The acceptance is in the person before the work. Like John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He mentioned the Lamb of God before they taken away that sense of the word. So the person for his work. So in Revelation 5 and 6, And lo, I beheld in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and of the, of, of, of the four and the twenty elders, stood a lamb, that's a person, as it has been slain, that's his work. Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, I determined to know nothing among you, save Christ and him crucified. So Christ, the person, and him crucified, that's his work. So bring the emphasis is in the person before his work. That's what I'm talking about, the work, the person of Jesus, who he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's see how the ark is. Let's see the composition of the ark. Now, the, mark, the, the ark is made, up, made out of two materials. One is gold and one is wood. Say gold. gold. And say wood. 
Yeah. Gold and wood. Or wood and gold. This is the message seat. It's gold. And the ark, this is wood. The ark is wood overlaid with gold. Two materials. Everything is, is God is not a, there are no insignificant details in the Bible. Everything has a meaning. Because wood in the Bible is a symbol of humanity. Humanity, man. That's the wood. Tree is a symbol of a man. Deuteronomy 20 verse 19. Tree is a symbol of a man. So the wood here, now why is the ark? I'm saying this is the photo album of the person of Christ. But there are two materials made, used in making this, this ark. One is wood and the other is gold. Now the wood describes that Jesus is a man. Wood speaks of his humanity. It, the wood they, they used was called acacia wood. Yeah, acacia wood. And when you read from the Septuagint, the Greek version of the, old, of the Hebrew, it doesn't even say acacia. It says the wood of incorruptibility. Because Christ's body does not corrupt. A body has not prepared me. Okay. And there is gold. Gold is a symbol of divinity or deity. Brethren, Jesus Christ is man, he is God, and he is man. Until you understand that Jesus Christ is 100% God, 100% man, you can't even be saved. In fact, if he is not 100% man, we couldn't have been saved. And if he is not 100% God, we couldn't have been saved. <laughs> so this is essential doctrine of the Christian faith. Say Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. Yeah, he's man's perfect God and he's God's perfect man. Now, A.H. A. H. Strong is a scholar. He spoke about the person of Christ. And he says that in the person of Jesus Christ, there are two natures. The divine nature and the human nature. Each in its completeness and integrity. And these two are organically and indissolubly united. So that a third nature is not formed. All these plenty things means that Jesus is he's God, totally God. And he's totally man. Hallelujah. God was manifest in the flesh. God came down as a man. As Jesus. Now, if you see Jesus, oh Matumika said, take hold of Jesus as a man, and you will discover that he is God. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 says that who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person he is the express image of his person. You know what it means? The express image. That means Jesus is the stamp of who God is. He is the stamp. You know, you know a rubber stamp? Now if you go to someone's office and the person takes a rubber stamp and dip, dips it in the, in the ink and applies the, the, the rubber stamp on a paper surface. What does it mean? Yeah, what is on a rubber stamp? The same thing is here. Jesus is the stamp of who God is. <laughs> that means Jesus is the very God of very God. He is the impress of his substance. Brethren, Jesus is God. Let me give one scripture that will tell you Jesus is God. First John 5 verse 20. Look at 1 John 5 verse 20. It's so nice. I love this verse. Look at what it says. And we know. That's what you must know. 
that the Son of God is come, that's Jesus, and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Brethren, Jesus is what? True God. Hallelujah. Jesus is the true God. All right. Now, in the Bible, the deity of God is proven everywhere. Everywhere. Now, even in the first verse, Genesis 1 verse 1, what does it say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's amazing. Even Genesis 1 1 reveals that God is God. In the beginning, God created. Now, the word beginning speaks of time. Created the heaven. Heaven speaks of space. And the earth. Earth speaks of matter. So in one verse we have time, space, and matter. Alright. Now in the beginning, God created. If God created, that means that God is a personal being. He must be a personal being, not a force. Because an impersonal being cannot create. So it means that he must be a person. In the beginning, God created that he must be eternal because he must pre-exist the beginning to bring in the beginning. Is that not so? So he created the heaven and the earth. Then he must be omnipotent, must be all-powerful to bring all of heaven and all of the earth. Then he must also be, also be omniscient, have to have knowledge about fish, knowledge about minerals. He must know about everything. Praise God. So in, in fact, you can preach this one verse for six months. Because the infinitude of God is in this verse. His attribute is in this verse. But we see, beginning speaks of time. Heaven is space. Earth is matter. And God does everything in trace. No, God is a triune being. He does everything in trace. In the beginning, time. Time is in trace. Past, present, and future. Is that not so? What about space? Space is also in trace. Length, breadth, and what? Height. What about earth? Matter. Solid, liquid, and what? Hallelujah. I, I didn't know you people, you people love science like that. <laughs> Are you all science students? <laughs> I'm amazed. <laughs> Genesis 1 1 reveals who God is. But when Jesus Christ came, now, in his first public manifestation, he manifested all of this. You know, his first public manifestation, he, at someone's wedding. And the wine has run out. You know what he did? He turned water into wine. Can you imagine? In a split of water into wine. For information, you know how long it takes to produce wine in, in Israel? The earliest can be eight or nine years. Yeah. Now it takes three years for the vine tree to produce fruits. Now when you go to Israel, some of the wines have been there for 50 years. The longer the, the years, the tastier the wine is. And this one was better than the rest of the wine. And there are wines that have been there for 100 years. Sweet, sweet wine, sweet wine, wine on the lease. So for Jesus to turn water into wine, what you could have gotten in 9 or 10 or 100 years, it was a miracle of the compression of time. Now, he compressed time in a second to prove that he's a lot of time. In the beginning, he's a, he's a lot of time. Praise God. And that's what it's going to do in your life right now in Jesus' name. 
Now, if he's a Lord of time, then he's a Lord of the past, the present, and the future. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter what you have lost in your life, he's, he's going to restore it. Now, it doesn't matter at all. Now, do you know that sometimes what we should have used two years to do, or what we should have used two months to do, we end up using five years to do? Now, do you know that in Deuteronomy 1 verse 2, in the Israelite from Sinai to Kadesh Benia to Canaan was 11 days journey. 11 days. There are 11 days journey. Horeb is Sinai, where the law was given. By the way of Mount Sinai, on Mount Seir, onto Kadesh Benia. This is the border of the Canaan land. So they could have used 11 days to get there. Now, because of their children and their staffs, they could have used 40 days. Because they had to walk slowly with their babies and. Uh, but instead of 40 days, they used 40 years. Because it, the whole thing is 11 days' journey from Sinai. So they, it's en endless wanderings of endless, endless cycles. So sometimes what you should use two years to, 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 to become, 20 years you have not become. So in this service, Jesus is here as a Lord of time. Whatever you've lost in your life is coming back. There is a restoration in the house today. And I tell you what is lost is coming back to the glory of God. Hallelujah. It's coming back. You are receiving supernatural acceleration. You are receiving speed. It's happening. Can you, can you please sit down? It's happening. Now, time that we have space, is that not so? Yeah, we have Genesis 1 1, we have space. The next miracle Jesus manifested was to prove that he's a Lord of space. Yeah, we see that in um, John 4 from verse 50. A nobleman came to Jesus and told him that his son is sick. He said, Come and heal him. Jesus says, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And uh, Jesus says, Go your way, your son liveth. He, it was in Cana of Galilee, Cana of Galilee, and Jesus was in Cana, but the guy's son was in Capernaum, which was 40 miles away. So he wanted Jesus to come to walk with him 40 miles. Ah, it's not easy. Ah, 60 kilometers. 40 miles ah, to your house to pray for your son. Ah, they make ministry too difficult. <laughs> you know what Jesus said? He said, Go that way. Just one word, thy son lived. He proved by his second miracle that he's a lord of space. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord of space. Now, listen, Jesus says that he that delivered unto me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than this shall he do because he says spoke. Thank we have been given the same mandate in the same. Listen, if there's a trouble, just speak. Just release the word from your lips. And there's a family member who is not well, just speak the word only. We don't use what is given us. He's a lot of space. A daughter of mine in the Lord was going to get married. All of a sudden, there was trouble. Almost like the marriage cannot get, come on. She called me. I said, give me five minutes, I'll call you back. Hallelujah. Listen, you have to know your, your dominion. The Bible says, where the word of the king is, there is power. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4. 
And the Bible says that, says that by the word of the priest shall every controversy and every assault be settled. And I'm a royal priesthood. So when I speak, controversy settles. So I went into the room and I said, in the name of Jesus, I silence, I silence all maneuvering spirits taking over this marriage. And I command them to desist from the operation. And I declare peace to be settled. This marriage is coming on. Five minutes time I called, they said they have resolved it. The marriage is coming on. Now you can do it. Just you have to have the knowledge of him and what he has done for us. Hallelujah. But restoration is happening in this place. It's happening. It's happening. You see, I had a vision. I had a vision. When I was coming, I had a vision. The Lord showed me eight people here. And they've been praying. They've been crying to God for something. And it's as if the answers are not coming. And some of the issues deal with, deals with something like bondage. Something that must be broken. Or kind of addiction or bondage. And some is prayed. It's not, nothing seemed to happen. But God opened my eyes. And I saw that in the meeting. You are sitting in this meeting. Without prayer. Just by your presence in this meeting. The bondages were broken and you were liberated. Yeah, so that's why I began by saying that this meeting is ordained from heaven. And God showed me, now that you are in this meeting, without prayer, without anything, you were totally delivered from those shackles or whatever it is, and the answers are coming. Lift up your voice and give praise to God and just worship Him. God is good. Sheka talaba shandala. Just praise Him. Just praise Him for your deliverance. Praise Him for the answers to that prayer. Praise Him that there is a turn around. Just praise Him. It has, it has happened. It is done. There is an anointing in this place. It is corporate. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mama, 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 Mama. Shut up. To Him be glory. Hallelujah. Can you be seated? Sit down in your dignified position. You are liberated. You are blessed. You go home smiling because God is not a man that he should lie. But the son of man that he should repent. It's done. It's settled. Hallelujah. Just go home rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. Jesus had absolute authority over matter. Matter. Now, in John 1 verse 11, he came to his own, you know what the Bible says, and his own received him not. You know what is this talking about? He came to his own and his own received him. How many own do you see here? How many own? Praise God. Don't lose me. Follow me. The two are two different things. Let me explain. He's describing who Jesus is. Now, let's go back to our tenses. What we say um, something is in masculine gender. What does it mean? It's a male. When something is in feminine gender, what does it mean? Female. See, we are doing English classes in, in the church. <laughs> what about when we talk about neuter gender? Can you have sharks? I, I'm impressed. Did you all get A's in English and science? Wow. <laughs> now, 
neuter gender means it's neither male nor female. It is used for inanimate things. Praise God. Now follow me carefully. The first own is neuter gender. He came to his own. Is not talking about human beings? He came to his own creation. He came to his own. But the second one is masculine gender. Speaking of Israel. So first, he came to his own, neuter gender. You know what it means? When he stepped into the world, he had stepped into the creation he made. He made. Now, he came to his own. Everything recognized him as the creator. Remember, he spoke to the fig tree, and the fig tree died. He responded to the maker, its maker. Remember that he spoke to the wind and the waves, and they obeyed. Because the maker was, was there, and was commanding his creation. He spoke that man will be found in the mouth of a fish, proving that he is a baker, creator. He can summon the wealth of the lake. And he spoke to fish, and the fish obeyed him. Remember, he spoke to the cock. He said the cock will, creep, will crow three times, and they obeyed him. So when he walked the creation, he came to his own. Creation was subject to him. Master, you are here. Master, you are here. <laughs> Master, the plant saluted him. The wind saluted him. The sea saluted him. Hallelujah. The law of gravity was suspended and they still respected it, Master. <laughs> because he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. So when he came to his own, the mountains were his. Brethren, everything that is in this world was made by Jesus. For by him were all things made, visible and invisible. That are in heaven and that are on earth. Whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That's Jesus. So everything bowed to him. <laughs> the man Jesus walked on the shores of Galilee. <laughs> oh, everything bowed to him. He told Peter, cast your net at the right side, and the fishes there, wherever they were, they had to just summon themselves together to enter into the net. <laughs> Because when he spoke, it was hallelujah. So creation responded to him as he walked in there. Martha gave heed to him and bowed to him. Death and the grave answered him. Lazarus come forth, and death had to lose his grave to him. Death, he touched the coffin, and death gave up. Everything responded to him. The only people who did not respond to him was the second own, the Israelite. Hallelujah. They were the only people that didn't respond to him. He came to his own, neither gender, creation. Tell your neighbor Jesus is the very God of very God. He's the Lord of all. One more time, he's the Lord of all. Hallelujah. I like it in Colossians 117, by him all things are held together. Ah, by him all things are held. King James says consist. Now it's not consist in the Greek, all things are held together. He is the power behind the earth imaginary axis. You know the earth is hanging and it's not falling. The constellations, all the forces of gravity, centripetal, centrifugal, all the stars in their courses, who is holding all of these together? How about atoms? Negative, negative. How come atoms are held together? He's the power behind atoms. All things are all things. And he's the one holding your family together. 
by him all things are held together. He's the one holding your body together, the cells and the tissues and the systems, he holds everything together. He is the principle of adhesion in the universe. He is the principle of cohesion in the universe. By him all things are held. That is why if you acknowledge Jesus, your life will be held together. Your relationships are going to be held together. Your families are going to be held together. When he's in the midst of your life, there is perfect equilibrium and everything is held together. Your finances are held together. Your marriage is held together. Your businesses are held together. Your job is held together. Because he is the principle of cohesion in the universe. He is the principle of adhesion in the universe. Jesus is the super glue. The super glue that binds marriages together. He is the super glue that binds families together. He is the adhesion, the force of adhesion. He changes the family. He changes your life. He puts all things together. Perfect equilibrium. Perfect distance. It is him. 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 That is why under this anointing, whatever you hear is happening to your life. Your life is held together. Your body, your health is held together. Your marriage is held together. Your business is held together. Your academic work is held together. Jesus, this morning is holding everything together perfectly in perfect equilibrium. Perfect distance. It's happening. He sent his word and healed him. The word has gone forth. He's healing families, healing strings all over this place. Hallelujah. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.